You're listening to After Hours Conversations with Veronica, brought to you by Veronica Lane Consulting, LLC. Welcome to After Hours Conversations with Veronica. I am honored to have Amanda Alexandricus from Music Promotion Inc. being featured tonight. I'm so excited that she is with us. As you know, we are going to be talking about project management and and how that fits into her role. And you also know that I only talk to fantastic people because that's what I do. That is my jam. But welcome, welcome, Amanda. I am so happy that you're able to be with us tonight. Oh, me too. Thank you very much for having me, Veronica. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Now, I've known you. Should I age myself? Should I lean in? Does everyone see my gray? (laughs) Okay. So I have known Amanda for, I will say, over 20 years because I feel confident and comfortable limiting it to 20. So I will say well over 20 years, and we have focused in on our journeys. And this is our first opportunity to actually share with you all of the greatness that she has been doing over the years. So the, my very first piece is please, Amanda, tell us more about you and Music Promotion, Inc., Well, thank you, Veronica. Actually, I am going to age us and I'm going to put it out there that it's 30 years. (laughs) So there's that. Um, We've known each other, watched each other grow up and um, you've seen, you know, I started with music pretty early, Um, not as a musician, but I started working, uh, managing or you call it management, but that's probably the easiest way to explain what it was I was doing. A lot of promotion. I started my first uh, promotion, my official paid promotion job when I was 18 years old um, with some local um, artists who were where we were at the time. And that turned into an entire career. So since then, I've had my um, started my first company when I was 20 years old and has continued to build and um, went from, you know, statewide to regional to national and international now. I love that. And it's so exciting because for the most part, I have seen it from the other side, right? I'm I'm only witnessing the after effect of the greatness that you do on a daily basis. But this is a little bit different. Our our conversation is is going to shift because the main reason why you were able to get to this place is because you've been running projects ever since you were 18. Now, I would love to know, did you call it projects? What what did you say that you were doing all this time? Well, that's why, you know, when I first introduced myself, I uses I said, you know, managing. Um it really wasn't managing, and I'm you know, I've it's funny because just recently in our conversations that we've had, have I realized that I do actually do project management? 
it wasn't something I ever um, really put a, a name to for a long time. So I guess the, I guess I've always been doing it um, in different capacities. So, you know, first it would be managing one, one part of a, of, of a bigger project. And now I manage the bigger project and it's, it's taken different forms and it's taken, it's funny. We call, um, I, I still don't call myself a project manager. I might say I do some, you know, campaign management, or I will never say artist management, but, um, <laughs> no, but you know, there's, um, it, it, it does fit in the scope of what you're doing. And it, it's funny that I just never really thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and since you have so many artists that you work with, with different projects, and you also have a team. Mm-hmm. So I'm about to elevate your status. <laughs> You're actually a program manager. Mm-hmm. So with, with all of the things that you do, all of the different projects, all of the different people who have different segments, and the fact that you have different people over different initiatives and you're over all of that you're actually a program manager Hmm, very interesting (laughs) (laughs) i Um, have elevated your status well thank you (laughs) (laughs) so when it comes to your to your pieces um would you say that now that you know that you're actually running things is there an order of operations that you go to? Because knowing you the way that I do, you don't wing anything. So have you created a system for yourself so that you know that you haven't missed anything? Well, it depends. Again, my role is different for every project. You know, sometimes my role is a lot smaller. Although when I take those smaller roles, that usually means that I am not necessarily managing the overall project that I'm hired to work with. But then I do have teams that I, for my section that we're hired for, that I have teams that I manage. And then there are other times where I take, where they say, hey, you know, you need to run the whole thing. And that's where it gets a little more complicated. And then of course I have those teams in there. So my role, and and I kind of take it as not picking the brain, but they have more access to my brain when I'm doing those roles, which, you know, they're, they're siphoning onto my 25 years plus experience in the business where I don't make that available to the smaller projects because it's, it's, it's hard work. And so to answer your question, um, is there an organized way that I do it? Yes, but it's not a written down. We're not check marking things off of a list because Everything that we do in the music business, there isn't a one size fits all. And so while we do have certain things that are um, industry standard, um, those type of things, then yes, we, we oversee those. But a lot of it is creative. And so we have to sit down and come up with, with new ideas every time. I love that. I love that. Now, when so let's just say you were to say, yes, I embrace the fact that I'm running projects. Would I get to lift lift the rug a bit and say that we in the 
certified world, one size doesn't fit all here either. Mm. We actually think of ourselves more like the maestro and then we have the orchestra. And like the godfather with the puppets. Yes, but, but <laughs> everyone gets to live. <laughs> everyone gets to live. But when when you were saying that you have different things that, that you have to do and you do tailor it to whatever project you happen to be on. Mm-hmm. But I have secret intel. I know that you've done a work breakdown structure before. Yeah, I think I, I have. And, <laughs> and I didn't have a name for it. See, every time <laughs> I do something like that, you come back to me and you're like, hey, that's a really nice dot, dot, dot. You know, and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that, but cool. Yeah, because that's that's what we use to get all the ideas out. And that's where my role, you know, with what I've always been good at is I develop campaigns. I develop things. So that goes back to my training where I'm looking for practical ways to organize and keep things moving forward. And you're more, um, you're more trained in that world. I'm trained in marketing. I'm trained in business. But I was never trained as a project manager per se. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny how those two worlds seem to be overlapping naturally just mm-hmm. based on what some of the common sense is as to what you need to keep a project moving forward and to be effective. Now, since... since- common sense, right? But of course, on the other side, someone's, someone once said, common sense isn't common. <laughs> so albeit, not everyone has it, but the excellent people do. And since the excellent people do, when, when you're working with other people, do you let them be excellent too? Or are you looking for perfection on their sides, right? So when when we're in this, this role, we have options and there's different types of management style, right? There is the more autocratic, I told you to do this, do this. If you had an opinion, I will give that to you. There is the more democratic way Right where we are going to brainstorm things and maybe put put together that work breakdown structure that we were talking about, or it could be I'm sure you're fantastic. That's why I hired you. Whatever you think is best. So if you have those three ways of being, are you more on the autocratic, do it the way I told you to, or are you more on the let's let's figure out what the best way is to do it? document that and kind of test it out and see if that works for the client. Well, it's funny. Um, it's kind of a hybrid between some of those, because first of all, I don't hire um, people to come in to learn to do the job. The people that I bring into my teams are top professionals. I, I tend to subcontract and I have um, partnerships and um, arranged deals with, with people where they, I develop and I create certain campaigns, but there's only one of me. I can't, I can't be there. There has to be more people. And so back when I first started in my early twenties, I did, I had an, I had an office and I had employees. And what happened was, is I became an office manager, which I hated. And that wasn't where I was. People who were hiring my company wanted me 
to be running things. And I didn't have time to run things because I was too busy making sure the office is running properly and making sure that everything's going well. I did not like that. And so what I did is I pulled back um, and I started working on, okay, I know what needs to be done, but I'm not going to go to the people that are looking to be in my office all the time. I want people that are on the front lines all the time. I want people who are in the now. And so being that I, I was able over years to become a leader in my industry, I was friends with other leaders in, with other companies. And so what I do is I create campaigns and um, depending on the project and, and which is the best fit, I go to those promoters and it's more times than not campaigns that I have created and they're close to it. And then they do special things for my records and my, my clients. And so I work with people who get results and I don't have to micromanage. I already know what to expect and I don't need to have a lot of those conversations at that point, which I love because it, it's terrible. I don't care how they do it. Just do it. Just get, I'm very results driven and I don't like excuses. I don't want to hear whatever happened. I don't care. I, I mean, I care, but I mean, for the clients, nobody wants excuses. And so, you know, if, if it takes them one minute to get it done, great. I'm not going to say, go keep yourself busy for a week's worth that I paid you. Just get the result. I'm paying for a result. So very results driven is the way that I do things. Understood. Understood. I say, and, I, and, I'm sorry, please. Oh, I was going to say the one thing that I find more challenging though, are my clients is going to their style. And everybody is different. So there's people that like to try to micromanage what I'm doing. And those are tough ones. And there's the one, there are ones too who go too far away. And I can't seem to, um, to get them involved, to get answers and approvals and things that we need to do. So that's way more challenging to me is dealing with the clientele's expectations than it is for me to deal with my teams and getting results from them. Understood. Understood. Now that that being said, and and I don't know if our viewers can see the fantabulousness that you have mm-hmm. on your back wall, uh-huh. but you do have some fantastic things back there, and and there are reasons there there are reasons why you were able to have those in our view, and and for those that can't see it really good, there's a couple of Grammy plaques back there, which are absolutely beautiful. Kind of, they're high up there. <laughs> <laughs> they're I up there. love it. I love it. So, so you are a leader in your industry, right? Which is music, music marketing, music promotion. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. Worked a long time. That being said, you weren't always that way. Can you think of something that you did while you were leading something? Someone came and and either hired you for it, or you said, I believe that this is something that I need to be doing for my business. And it and it didn't turn out the way that you thought it should have. Has that ever happened? Or 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 has things been pretty smooth sailing up until this? Pretty, pretty smooth sailing for me. Um I, my mentality has been the same since I was a teenager. I've always been one of those people that just go and get it. And um, I've been really 
um, I guess, been really lucky in the sense that my projects have done really well. Um, I've, I've, I've done well. And, and I think it's because I don't let, I don't let excuses go by. If I'm sick and I don't feel good, I still get on the phone and I do what has to be done. I don't call a client and say, well, I wasn't feeling good. I didn't get this done. I get it done. And so there's, I've never let anything like that slide. And I know that that's a unique quality. I didn't know it was a unique quality young when I was younger, but it's just the been the way it's always been. And and we set certain goals for um, for certain projects. And I can truly say we've never not accomplished that goal ever. Like I've never in my whole career never had to call clients. I'm really sorry we didn't. Nope. And and it, and um, so I think with. It, it, there is a learning process in ways. I think the, the most challenging thing is dealing with humans, which I think project management a lot of times is. And I, it, I think I should have an honorary degree in psychology or something because <laughs> you have to really learn. Um, and I can tell in one conversation now what type of client that this person is going to be usually. And I, I mean, I really can. I can tell what's going to fit them, what the end goal should be. I can sense this so quickly now, just by even keywords that they say in an email, I get a sense of what to do with these projects and what's going to make people happy. And that's just from experience. I don't know that you can ever teach that, but the experience of, okay, um, you know, if somebody uses a code word in an email that says, well, I really don't have the budget, that tells me you don't think I'm worth it. I mean, I get that a lot. And, and I, I've learned to, I don't want to fight with people about budgets. You know, if, if you're going to come to me and that's the first thing you're going to say in an email, um, I know that I'm not going to, you know, they're not going to be able to do what needs to be done because it's not cheap what we do. And so that's one kind of red flag. There's other ones that are, Hey, this is, this is going to be a hit and we expect to sell a million records in six months. Well, you know, but we don't have a website, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of sense, oh, okay. It doesn't matter what I do. That person's not going to be happy. Their expectations are not realistic. So there are things like that, that you, that are obvious. And some of them are a little more discreet that you pick up on. Understood. So, so that would lead me to believe that it's your discernment while, while you're having those conversations, you're not only paying attention to what they are saying, but you're also paying attention to what they're not Mm -hmm. and how they, how they present themselves to you. Right. And and that is something that is a learned trait, but it's also something that a lot of people innately have if they're paying attention if they're paying attention. Now, I want to know whether or not, okay, because we have been friends for a long time for many reasons. And I believe that one of them is that we are strong personalities and we don't fail. And we understand each other. Yes, we do. We do. It's a uh, no nonsense, just get it done. And um, there's no excuse, you know, we, we do well with that. We, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that's how the way you have to be when you are, are in business, whether you're male or female um, or, um, or whatever, but you, you know, there is a goal and you can't waste your time. Um, I, I have had my time wasted in the past a lot and um, I've just learned not to, not to pay attention to the people who are going to waste my time anymore. Have you experienced any gender bias? Because being yeah, sometimes being being us the way that we are, and the fact that we like to start from the end, right? So don't I don't I don't need to know how you got there. I need to know where you want to go and what our desired end result is. Have you found that being that upfront? rubs some people the wrong way is is it is it easier to work with women or are are men accommodating for our personality styles or in your industry has it just not come up and they just go to whoever can get that job done what is what is your perspective there well, certainly as my career has progressed, um, it has been easier. When I was younger, you know, I was the little 20-year-old, you know, blonde-headed, um, really a go-getter at conferences. And I get, you know, patted on the head or pulled on somebody's lap trying to, hey, baby, you know, that type of thing. And that did happen. Um, but all in all, I, I stood my ground and um, I went and I got a master's degree and I pulled really great projects when I was young. And eventually, you know, people kind of got the, huh, oh, uh oh, you know, she's, she's smart. And certainly I felt in many cases I had to be smarter um, than, than some of the people I was working with. Um, but as I got older, I stand my ground. I think at this point, um, every now and then I'll get a client where, you know, they might not be taking me seriously or they think, you know, they can talk, talk over me or they don't want to listen. Um, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a female male thing, or if it's just the way their management style is, because they could certainly be doing that to other people, of course. But it, it was more of an issue in being a young lady in the business versus a proven name later on. And I certainly have enjoyed um, the, the, la the later half of that. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, it, it, it is definitely out there, but I think if you bring the goods and you build your army and you are strong and you bring, no one's going to give you really any breaks. You have to bring value to anything you do. And I think that's a big mistake that I see with both males and females, which is if you're going to be in the room and you're going to be there, no one's going to give you a chance because you're male or female they're going to give you a chance because you have value. And so I do encourage women, I think more to have the confidence and the knowledge that, Hey, you don't need to go in there asking somebody for a, for a job or asking, you know, for a favor or a break. What you need to do is build your army and come in as a valuable person. And usually it's not a hundred percent, but usually you will find you'll be valued. You just provided something that is in 
empowering and inspiring. I don't believe in motivating people. I believe that you you have to have something burning on the inside first, something, even if it's not a big fire, if there's a spark, if we can see that spark, then the information that we can share with them will actually cause it to grow. Is there anything that you think would be helpful for someone else out here that actually has that spark, right? Because we're, I won't say that we're at the end stages of what we do because we have so many more years to go. But I also know that there are people who are wanting to do what you do. And they have that spark. What would you tell them? I would tell them to to continue to seek knowledge and then not just, you know, formal education. I think an education is very important. I certainly um, felt strongly enough about it to, to continue my education. And I'm very glad I did. And I think though that some people think because you have a degree that that entitles you to a certain job or status or, anything. The truth is, is that the education is great, but there's practical education too, and continue to be doing, learning things. I mean, when I was younger, any, and still to this day, I never give up an opportunity to learn something new. I don't. I take on little projects or I read extra books or I do extra classes to stay in the now, to keep my mind fresh. So I'm never stuck in a rut. And I think whether you're 18 years old, 16 years old, 25 years old, 30, I think that you have to be continuously educating yourself and you have to be building a a worth. Why is this knowledge important? And you have to be able to apply it and you have to prove that you can apply it. So getting involved in things sometimes, you know, if I know not everybody can do an internship, I, I didn't do internships. I was just very fortunate early on that. I kind of got swept up really early, but not everybody has those opportunities. Internships are really hard because I don't know how people who are paying their school and trying to pay rent have time to take an internship, but there are certainly, you know, clubs or um, there are always opportunities, whether maybe it's not a formal job, but a project you can get involved with that gives you practical applications of what you're doing so that you can continue that as your career grows. Understood. Now that would lead me to think that you don't want to just learn for the sake of learning. You actually have to have some type of a curiosity there. Yeah. And, and, and a reason why you're applying something. I don't just read books on marketing. I read, I read books on how businesses run. I read anything that can help me take what I do and be better at it or bring in something new or look at it from a different direction. And it's, um, it's funny because when I was younger, I'd see like people reading the, you know, wall street journal or, you know, books about economics or whatever. And I just, you know, rolled my eyes and now I find myself kind of skimming through and looking around and seeing which countries, you know, are doing this or that, but it's really useful for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I never thought I would be at that point. <laughs> Well, you, you've continued to put things into what we call your 
toolbox. You don't want your toolbox to be empty. You don't know what you have, what you don't have, and things might come up. Do you remember Dora the Explorer? Yeah, a little bit. And she had a backpack. And for whatever reason, no matter what situation she was in, she was able to talk to said backpack and pull out whatever she needed at that time to solve whatever it is that she was encountering. But the only thing is, is that if we don't proactively continually add to the backpack or our project management toolbox, then when we see something new, something to pull, has, has anything like that happened recently? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've been everything going digital and all of the digital platforms changing constantly and which, which ones have opportunities for submitting artists for, you know, premieres or a showcase or whatever it may be. It's constantly shifting. And what we knew six months ago is, is not the same of what we know now, not just because of the pandemic, but just because it is that way. But also just going back, I wanted to add about um, the curiosity and learning you know, um, I think it's important that when you see something like um, a public speaking workshop or you see something that's, oh, my local you know, town or city is doing a startup week and they have different workshops where you can just listen to people that has nothing to do with marketing. Um, I have my son right now in a, uh, in a TV or a acting class to help with voice recognition because not, or not written recognition with voice, voice, gosh, what is it? I don't know the name of it. Um, but it's learning how to, how to do public speaking and how to speak on camera. And the reason I have him doing that is because he's going to have to do speeches in school and he's going to have to go to college and do a speech and he's a little shy. And so these are skills that no matter what field he's in, he is going to have to learn to be comfortable. Maybe he's doing an interview on a blog. Maybe he's doing um, an interview on TV that he needs to learn how to pronunciate, how to speak, how to do these things. And so doing the obvious isn't the only thing you should be doing, but looking at opportunities that help you as a whole grow, build your career, I think is, is really worth mentioning because it's important. Right, right. And, and it's as if there are just certain things that are transferable. We all... Yeah have to speak at some point in time, whether or not we are speaking this way. Because I had, I admit, I still want to learn how to sign. If there are any viewers out there that are willing to tell me how to sign, I would love to learn how to sign, right? Because we have, we have different people who we work with. There were, there were a couple of shows that I had watched and and I admit I, I am still all about music as as odd as it might be for the viewers out there, even though I do sing, I have never in the history of ever said, Amanda, listen to this. I might send her a happy birthday song, but that's <laughs> about it. But there there are singers out there that I found this really interesting that can't hear. They're actually deaf and, but they're feeling the music. Yeah, they can feel it. And, and somehow they're, they're actually hitting all of the notes that 
they need to hit. What what is the most? And I guess I don't really want to say most. What is what is the project that you had that was that aha? I was shocked by that. This is really really cool. I didn't even know that this would ever come down my path because I, I tell you what, I had no idea that that there were professional singers out there that actually couldn't hear. So I can only imagine with your years of experience, there had to have been at least one aha moment that you've had in this time. What would you say that was? Um, you know, I've had interesting things happen. I mean, um, there's been a couple sides. One on the promotion side, I had an intern once who was um, who was deaf and he wanted to work at my music promotion company. And so I gave him the internship and um, I, I know how to sign the alphabet. So I would sign, he actually had an interpreter that would come in with him, you know, the twice a week that he was there. And, you know, I found jobs for him, but he, we would have the stereo going and he could hold on to it and hear the music. Um, he, he wasn't there that long. I think he got a little bored, but he was there for maybe two months. And I think he, he just kind of was like, well, I got to do it and I like the opportunity, but you know, not for me. But, but it was neat to have them there. The other thing was uh, we had, I have a client right now who is blind. He had a brain tumor. He was blind and he makes amazing music. And he has, he not only does the music, he actively is doing the business. He responds to emails. He is sending me whatever I need to, it's amazing what he does. Um, and then I had another client once who was um, blind and deaf. And that guy was from Australia. And he got a lot of attention, of course. Um, and he would tour. Like they had full tours. And, you know, we've had a lot of disabilities. But I think when when artists, and I'm not an artist, but I work with them, um, when they lack one of the senses, they seem to pick up more of another sense. And so it's amazing to see what they end up doing a lot of times. And I try hard to give them that extra chance because again, they are limited with some of the business side of things that they can do. You are so inspiring. I am (laughs) so honored that you took the time to actually speak to not only myself, but to all of our listeners. So I am very thankful for that. I always like to end things with you having the opportunity to ask me anything about project management that you want. You have Hmm. a certified project management professional in your midst. I do. What do you Um, want to know? I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you something and then I'll try to put it as a question. Hardest thing in, in my job, the hardest thing is not getting the results. It's, it's um, managing expectations. And I deal in a place where people have their heart and soul into what they're doing and they're trusting me with their dreams. And um, sometimes those dreams are, are pretty big and they want them in a very short amount of time. And sometimes um, it's very difficult to manage expectations regardless of we have formed it. Um, we've put it in, in writing. We talk about it and it doesn't necessarily curb those expectations. And so my, I would love to hear from you how you feel about that and any advice that you could give on managing expectations. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, I will tell you that that is across the board. One of the things that um, that we do on 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 this side of the screen is there is there's something called con- constraints, and you know what they are. You just haven't articulated it in this way because you never had to, right? But there's time, there's the cost, there's the resources, there's the quality, there's the risk, and there's the customer satisfaction. Back in the day, there were only three, now there's six. Back in the day, we, we, we called it an, an iron triangle, now we call it the hell of a hexagon. <laughs> it is a hell of a hexagon. <laughs> I so, agree with that. So tied to those things, that's that's actually how you would be starting your conversations. Not like you are telling them what it should be, but you want them to know that these are your constraints. Now, your biggest question for them is what the driving constraint is. Now, will they probably say, I want it all. I need everything. And then you would say, each of these pieces (laughs) has a inverse relationship. That's right. And and that's what we do is we we bring up, well, we can get on the way to these things. This is how we start to build up to these things. Phase That's one. exactly what we did. Phase two. I phase knew it. See, I had, I had told you. I said you are you are probably doing it. You probably already know, but it looks different when it's written down, though. That that I will say. So in in my first um, conversations, because many of the companies that say that they want a project manager. They have no idea what that means. They have no idea what it is that we do and what we don't do. So you don't answer those clients by saying, and you want me to walk on water while I'm at it? You don't say that, right? <laughs> I, I've said that, but <laughs> maybe that's not too, uh, yeah. it was warranted though. <laughs> I I say, never be afraid to be you. <laughs> but I would always list it down, right? Be, be, because if prior to us having any brainstorming, prior to us saying, okay, well, what do you want? What are your re- requirements? I like for them to see that these, these are those things. So I have risk written, written down. I have costs written down. I, I have all these different things written down. And then while I'm with them, in our conversations, I will type in what it is that they say, right? And I, of course, do it so that they can see it. So I'm not going to send something after. I need for you to tell me, have I documented it the way that you would like for it to be represented? Now, based upon these, these items, what's your most important thing, right? So- mm-hmm. Example: We are we are very close to the holidays, and if someone were to get in contact with you November the fifteenth and say, "I need for this to be put on X Y Z that is coming out in December," Uh and we get those phone calls, 
I get calls like December 15th and say, I have a Christmas record. Can you get it played? We start Mm. Christmas in July. (laughs) Christmas in July. Christmas in July. So now when, when that happens, you, you could very well say, yes, I can. And then here's that inverse relationship that we were just talking about. So you've just cut, cut my time. So like a balloon, now all, everything else is bigger. So it, I could do it, but it's going to cost you. I could do it and there might be some risks, right? Not risks that aren't manageable, but it, this isn't risk-free, right? So having those conversations, whereas um, you already know this, speaking from a place of authority and not caving. Oh, no, we, we won't. I'm not nice. You know, I, I mean, I am nice, but I don't lose my voice, that's for sure. But I will say, I will say that I love listening to the project management side of things and how you approach those issues and those problems. You know, those are existing and they're never going to go away. It doesn't ever. matter, you know, ever. It's just managing um, our part of managing their expectations, of course. But I will say that is the most challenging thing. I, You know, it's amazing. Getting the results, which seems like the hard part, isn't my hard part. That's the funny thing about it. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'd say that's the most challenging thing of what I do during the day. I can get a record on Billboard. I can get a freaking Grammy win. But I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just that. It's, it's yeah. you know, there's a lot of factors that go into what I do um, on a daily basis. And, and it's a lot of fun. And I really love um, that you're doing project management. And you've put a word. Um, and, and an explanation of what I've been doing. And it just never really came up until maybe a year or two ago when we were talking about some of this. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate that. It's, it's great insight. And it's fun. Like so, so many people think that project management is just a bunch of nerds, just a bunch <laughs> of nerds. And they don't well, we can, we can be a little nerdy sometimes, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is fun, right? I, I think of it like puzzles. You are putting puzzles together. And some of those puzzles are tied to people. But in the big picture, I love seeing the end result, even if it's a phase one, phase two, phase three. I'll tell you, there's not a project that's successful that is not without drama. We'll just put it that mm-hmm. way. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, if it gets so there's ups and downs and part of that is just because people are, are people and you have to explore different, um, it, you know, success isn't a, a direct line. Right. It goes around in circles. And when those circles go around and you have those failures and you have those reboots and you have those changes and you have those corrections that go along the way, there is going to be drama. There's going to be emotion. There's going to be people that are upset, but that's, that's the way it is. If it were that easy to have success and it was all smooth writing the whole way, then I would get bored. It would, it would be a different (laughs) world. That's for sure. So Mm -hmm. we have to take our wins and that's why getting to a certain point, you know, just not necessarily speaking about my, my, I'm talking about my clients and getting them to a certain point. It was a long, long, hard road to get them there. And it's such a celebration when they do. And that it, that's what makes it worth it. That's what's so much fun is when you get those 
moments to get those milestones. And about an hour ago, I got one of my clients on the number debut number 35 on the top 40 chart. So numbers came in a little bit ago and that's a pretty big milestone for this band. And it's, it's very exciting. That is so fantastic. And you just said something that we always try to get people to do, but when we're adulting, we don't always do it. And that is to actually celebrate the successes and not just focus in on the challenge. Yep. And I'll tell you what, in my email to them, Mm -hmm. I even said to them, I said, you, oh, I will read it here. Please go and celebrate as this is a milestone. (laughs) So I encourage them because they might not realize it's such a, I mean, I think they do a little bit, but you know, I reminded them, go, go have a glass of champagne. That's a nice day. And I I like giving my clients good news. (laughs) Yes. Yes. For me too. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. you being with us and pouring. And when I say pouring, pouring information into not only myself, but our listeners because I hope it's useful. I just want to encourage everybody to keep going, be smart, go after whatever it is your, your goals are. And you know, when you're valuable and you come in with something that's, uh, you know, not just an idea, but something that you can actually do that's of value, you will find the road to that career success gets a lot more defined and easier as you go. Well, thank you so much, Amanda Alexandrakis. It has been an absolute honor and everyone have a wonderful night. I will see you on the next episode of After Hours Conversations with Veronica. Bye now. You have been listening to After Hours Conversations with Veronica, brought to you by Veronica Lane Consulting, LLC.